0: Hey, hello there. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Clark. Welcome to another episode of... Monday, Monday Afternoon, afternoon. Theologian. Theologians. Ojens, Ojens, Ojens. Ogens. Hey, hello there, Rick. Oh, Clark, it's good to see you, man. Amazing. It's been, like, what, a week... Yeah,
1: just about that.
0: (laughs) Well, the first time we got together, we laid some groundwork, and then we started looking at our four purposes. We looked at how God planned me for his pleasure, which translates into worship, as we love him back, because we can't pay him back. Second purpose is God formed me for his family. The biblical word for that is fellowship, that koinonia, some community of faith. So there's worship, fellowship, another churchy word, discipleship. That's our third purpose. God intends for me to become like Christ. We're not going to be little Christs. We're going to be like Christ because our character is starting to look more and more like him because his Holy Spirit is the one transforming us, shaping us to become more like Jesus. So that's the discipleship process. And it's a lifelong process, as we saw last week, which brings us here to the fourth purpose, in episode number five, God shaped me to serve him, and that we call ministry. But before we get too deep into this topic, let me invite you, the listeners and watchers, if you're watching this on YouTube, to submit your Bible question or question about Christianity to us by emailing us at Theologians at gmail.com and we will be tackling some of these questions specifically in future episodes. So send them to us now and yours could show up. Also, here's another resource uh, from today's discussion because we're not going to have enough time to dive all the way into this thing called Shape. There's a thing that we did a couple of years ago at our little church in Michigan and that was back when we were in a building so you get to see me preaching to a live audience. (laughs) Incredible concept. And that's called the Shape Series. So if you want to see that specific four-week series, there are four messages, about 40 to 45 minutes of length at each of those four. You can just type in your search engine on YouTube, Living Water Shape Series. Boom, they'll come up. You can see it. I don't want to take credit for that, though, because I didn't come up with that acrostic. The first person to have done that, to my knowledge, is Pastor Rick Warren, from Saddleback Community Church in California, and if you want to look to the original, you can find a bunch of stuff, I'm sure, about Rick Warren and the Shape Series, and uh, I, I commend you to him. You can trust him, too. So look to the Shape Series if you want to just dive in a whole lot more deeply into this idea that we were each shaped differently by God for different kinds of service. That's something we don't have time for to go in such depth. So today we're going to skim the rock across the top of the surface of the water, and in a broad brush stroke, Rick and I are going to talk to you briefly about how we are formed for serving others. In fact, there's a really good uh, scripture verse that probably helps set the tone for that. Rick, let me uh, pass it to you for that scripture verse from Psalms.
1: Yeah, this is a really nice one. It, it uh, gives us some insight into not only uh, what we are, but how deeply God feels about us. And this is from Psalm 139, 13. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb, which means he had an active part in creating each and every one of us. You know, they say that the odds of any particular person being Uh, born at all is like one in four trillion. And yet there, and they say there's been maybe 12 billion people since the beginning. Uh, And each one of those is one in four trillion. And he had an active part in creating each and every one of those 12 billion people, (laughs) man, you know, you, you gave us the acronym for shape, but that actually stands for spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experience. And we have to think that if he was there at the point that we were conceived, mm-hmm. that he had a really good idea of how we would respond or how we would be created and use each of those five different things. So that's a that's a pretty heavy concept.
0: No kidding. Oh, my goodness. To think that he was already thinking those things out. This amazing, uh, hard-to-fathom God who's so vast that he would create the whole universe and yet so personal that he would shape each of us that way. Uh, That's mind-blowing. There was uh, something that came to mind as you were speaking about that related to a guy who was a mentor of mine back in Phoenix, Gary Young, Dr. Gary Young, pastor at First Southern Baptist Church of Phoenix, Arizona, back when I was in college going to school right next door to that church. And Gary had been speaking at a retreat up in Prescott, Arizona, one weekend. And he used that, the verse that you just talked about, the fact that God had formed us in advance, knowing exactly what we were going to be like because he's the one who fashioned us that way. And he said, for some reason, he said, I just felt like I needed to say this after that verse. He said, Some of you may have thought that you were a mistake. And you're not a mistake because you were no surprise to God. And then he went right on with the rest of his teaching that afternoon. Well, a lady came up to Gary after that session, and she said, with tears in her eyes, she said, Dr. Gary, you don't know how special that was for me to hear what you said, because I've been told by my parents that I was a mistake. And I felt like I don't even know if I have a purpose in this earth, because I was an afterthought. I was a mistake. I shouldn't even be here. And for you to say that God knew me, it was no surprise to him, and that he actually even created me for a purpose. That that was a mind-blowing thing. So it really is good for us to recognize that, because we need some sense of purpose, and to know that our purpose comes from the one who actually formed us, we don't have to conjure it up from some other source. We can go to the source, because we know that he's the one who created us in advance.
1: Absolutely. As you were talking about that, I was reminded of... Uh a couple of verses that are later on in that same psalm. Mm-hmm. You know, he was so instrumental in creating us. He has a plan and a purpose for what we do in, in our entire life, but we have the ability to break that bond to mm-hmm. to sever that relationship. And the the good news as we've talked about before in these podcasts is that we have the opportunity to come back And it's a a very simple process to re-engage that that relationship. Mm. And one of the things that the the psalmist talks about, or he says, is search me and try me and see if there is any evil way within me. Mm. We we talk about how when there's evil in our hearts, that um, we call that sin, and that if we confess it, if we Uh, Even if we aren't aware of it, as the psalmist is saying, show me where that is, because I want to make sure that that relationship is solid, that there's nothing hindering my doing your purpose. There's no barrier between me and the Spirit so that I'm in a position that I can move forward, uh, do the work that you've assigned me. In the New Testament, there's another verse that says, God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God made us to do good works which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing, We're shaped to serve him, and he has certain tasks in mind from way, way back before we were even part of that, you know, one in four trillion um, circumstance that created each of us. Mm-hmm. He was already looking forward in history saying, the circumstances are going to be such that here is an opportunity for you to do a good work. And that is kind of encouraging to know that uh, nothing that's happening is a surprise to God. It is to us every day, but to him, it's, oh, this is working out just perfectly so that you can do this over here.
0: Isn't that neat? It's a pretty mind blowing thing. And I think it's good that you reiterated this and I'm going to reiterate your reiteration that, We don't do these good works so that we can get God on our side. We're not trying to earn his favor. We're not trying to buy our salvation. The thing that sets Christianity apart, I think, from any other religion, really, in the world, is this concept of grace, which grows out of his character. It's not something we can conjure up. This is a God character thing, grace. He already cares about us. Even before we knew about it, he cared about us. He cares about us enough to send his own son to take our place on a cross so that we can be reconciled to him. That's the gospel. So I'd like to reiterate that we're not doing these good works because we're somehow trying to muscle our way into heaven. We're doing good works because we're loving him back out of this relationship, knowing that he loves us that much. And so the have to becomes a want to, as I mentioned last week the attitude shifts, it's done from a whole different place in terms of our attitude and our motive. And so when we're doing good works, we're doing good things for other people. We're not doing it to earn God points so that if we get enough points in our ledger, he's going to let us in. We're doing it because that's what he would do. And we're just following in his footsteps because he's our mentor. We're the one who's following, becoming more and more like him, as we've talked about in just these last... uh, three different purposes leading up to this one. So that's where this whole thing called ministry comes from. It's because of our relationship with him that translates into our relationship with the people around us.
1: And you talk about how we have the opportunity all the time to do these good works. Mm-hmm. You know there there are opportunities every day and it could be something simple. It's not like you have to you know, go buy you know three hundred dollars worth of groceries for a family or something like that. It could be the smallest little thing. It could be letting somebody in line ahead of you at the grocery store. It could be paying it forward at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You just go, yeah, here's a here's an extra ten for the guy behind me. You know, it could be any number of things. That's a good work. All we have to do is open our eyes. You know, we talked about in in another session about. The, the former pastor of mine who was late for his ministry appointment. And then he realized the guy's broken down car was his next ministry appointment. It doesn't take much to say an encouraging word, to do a little something, to open a door for somebody. All of those are good works that are affirming another human being, mm-hmm. some of whom may not have been affirmed in any way for a long time. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities to get out of ourselves and and do something nice, and who knows what will come of that. You say a a kind word, you might spark a conversation. A conversation may turn into a friendship. A friendship could turn into so much more after that.
0: Yeah, who would have thunk that some of the people that we got to know (laughs) might not have started out in a way that when we first met them, we'd think, yeah, I'm going to become real good friends with this person. I had a guy like that back in seminary, in fact. Uh, I was in a small group with him in class the first day, and I just wasn't really impressed with him honestly. And there was some pride going on in my own heart. And I was being a little judgmental about the way he related to the task that we had. Didn't feel that he had really grasped what the professor was asking about. And so I tried to clarify and we asked a little bit. Strangely enough, the more we got on with that project, the more he and I got to know each other better. We became really good friends so much so that Joy and I went over to his house and met his wife And he and his wife became good friends from those two and a half years that we spent in Texas. We even went on a little mini vacation together to New Orleans because we got that close with them. And he wound up becoming my partner in our thesis project. We did our thesis together. We wrote a book together. Never saw that one coming. But because God had fashioned us to serve other people in a way that we didn't even see coming All of a sudden, Steve Guidry becomes this partner with Clark Cawthorn, and we write a book together by the end of seminary. It's crazy how that works, but God knows what he's doing.
1: Sure, and he knows the circumstances that are going to put people together. He knows how one shape meshes with another shape, and therefore they work really well together. You know, we talk a lot about dying to self. In fact, last time we talked about taking up our cross daily. Mm -hmm. dying to self and it's so easy to get caught up in me in my stuff what do I have to do today what's my goal for next week whatever it happens to be and we can turn that inside and become really really selfish and work so much to achieve what we want and yet if we'll turn that around start looking at somebody else's perspective and become selfless as we take up that cross every day and looking for those opportunities then uh, amazing things can happen, you know. We 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 can't even imagine what uh, God has in store, as you just said. You know, who would have thought that this guy that hit you funny that first day, uh, you'd end up two and a half years later doing a thesis project. Yeah. You know, it's uh, he he knows what's going on. He knows who needs needs to be in our life if we're just open to it.
0: Yeah, I I moved into a house that we lived in just before we moved to the place where we are now. And we were there, raised our kids there. We were there for 20 plus years. And I found out right away that the next door neighbor wasn't terribly thrilled that we had moved in there. (laughs) I don't know if it's because we had small children and that they were kicking soccer balls around and that some of them might go over into her backyard or if we had a dog that barked and she didn't like our dog. I, I don't know what it was, but man, you could tell she was putting out the vibe that she wasn't having it. And so I thought, okay, we're going to look for these opportunities to minister, to use the Bible word, to, to do a good work or two. And we just started looking for little ways to serve that next door neighbor. And one that really, this is funny that it just came to my mind, broke the ice, is when we went out to shovel snow for her, because she had a friend over and he couldn't get his pickup truck all the way up into her driveway. So I told my son uh, let's grab a shovel and go see if we can help them get that truck up there. And he goes, "Oh, okay." So we threw on our coats and hats and gloves and went out there, and we shoveled her out, and they got that truck up there. Okay, not knowing that anything might come of it later, we were just trying to be neighborly and we were trying to do good works. A couple of hours later, the doorbell rang. It was getting pretty late at night. It was like eight thirty at night, and I'm thinking, "Who is showing up at eight thirty at night in the middle of winter?" It was that neighbor, and she had baked a freshly baked apple pie and brought it over to thank us for shoveling out that driveway. And that broke the ice, so to speak, because from there on out, I started looking for other things that I could do to help her out. And after several years had gone by with me helping at one thing and another, she actually called and said, I can't think of anybody else to call. Is there any chance you could run me to... A doctor's appointment because I have to have an injection in my back. And I said, I'm free that day. I'm happy to do that. And so I was actually able to start taking her to a couple of different doctor's appointments. It opened up some spiritual conversations. We talked about God. Amazing five or six year period of time that it took to get to that place. But God opened the door because of just doing good works for somebody.
1: When my wife and I got married, she'd been married before, had no children. I'd been married before, had no children. Uh, we were pushing forty, thinking <laughs> yeah. that yeah, you know that's kind of old to make a baby, and neither of us wants to do diapers, <laughs> and so we started talking about adopting, uh, and we had no idea what would lead to that. So we started the process, and there in in Arizona there is a, a foster dot program where um, you foster care of some children first with the plan of adopting at a later point Mm -hmm. and it's a very long involved process and so many weeks probably several months into the process they finally call and say well there's these two little girls they're biological sisters and they're not working out where they are would you at least like to meet them so we had no idea who these children were but god did He knew that they needed a family to love them and care for them. The day that my wife met them, I had to work. So she and her mom went to meet these little girls. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was in trouble at that point. I mean, I knew that if these kids had anything at all, that uh, she was going to fall in love with them. And that was going to be that. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, that's what happened. We foster cared them for a little while to the point that Uh, all of the barriers and the legal things were taken care of, and we were able to adopt them. So they were three and five when they came in our house. They'd had a very rough time in a very uh, difficult circumstance, and it didn't get any better after uh, they were taken out of the original nuclear family into uh, another part of the biological family. Things were not very good for them, but they came to us, and we were just as open as we could be, and it all worked out that they became our children. And we were fortunate enough to see each of them make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, all those circumstances led up to a point where those children were able to come into our house. When we got married, we weren't even thinking about adopting, and yet God knew that plan to put all of those pieces together that allowed us to take them into our house and for them to become our children.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And as we have talked about before, when we're trying to be obedient to what God prompts us to do through his Holy Spirit that way, when we're dying to self and living for him, it's not always easy. And I'm sure that any parent would say, no, there are times when this was not an easy process. And yet you were there for them. You did what God asked you to do. And the thing that struck me is that you said each of them got to a point when they were able to actually make a profession of faith as well. That's a big deal,
1: yeah and chances are good if they were in that other situation, they might not have ever gotten that opportunity, yeah, so they're now residents of heaven at some future point uh-huh. because God allowed them to come into our house
0: wow so that's a to me that's a pretty big deal indeed, indeed. I appreciate the fact that all through the New Testament, the writers in the New Testament, and particularly Paul, when it comes to this whole shape notion, lets us know that each person's going to be looking a little different about how he or she ministers, because we're all wired differently by God. We're shaped differently. I remember one woman who did something that some people would have thought was crazy. I I remember reading about this. She was on a subway in New York City. And she watched a young man becoming really aggressive and angry. And he pulled a gun and held somebody at gunpoint. Well, most people wouldn't have wanted to step into that situation. They probably would have backed away as far as possible. Instead, she engaged this young man calmly and kindly and showed such compassion to him that she talked him off the ledge, talked him down and said, what you look like is you need a real big hug. (laughs) And she hugged the hostility out of this guy and saved the day. Who knows? Maybe she saved somebody from being killed that day. I I don't know where it could have wound up, but that's because that's the way God made her. That's how she responded to that situation. And I think it's great for us to know that we don't have to minister in exactly the same way that somebody else does. But if we're ministering in the way that God wired us, we can trust that God's going to do something important because that's our purpose and he knows ahead of time what those purposes are going to lead to.
1: Yeah, I think that really illustrates the the five parts of the shape. You know, her, she was shaped in a particular way, her experience, her personality, you know, and in, in a big way, her heart was such that she was able to deal with that situation and talk him down and could have even potentially saved his life. You know, that that could get it out of hand in a hurry, but her heart was open to reaching out to that particular guy
0: and, mm-hmm.
1: and made a huge difference in everybody's life that day. No joke. <laughs> That's a big
0: deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it is fun. It's, it's neat for me to look around and see all the different ways that God uses people's shapes who are serving others. And when we do so, we're serving him. I think it was Jesus who said, when you've done it to the least of these, my little ones, you're doing it unto me. There are also some things related to sacrifice because sometimes we're called to do things that are going to feel at the time like they're sacrificial. And yet, as we're doing so, God brings about blessings, too. And he boomerangs those blessings back many, many times in ways that we could not possibly have seen coming had we not stepped into a little act of obedience that way.
1: And often it would feel like a sacrifice. Again, we're looking you know, kind of a recurring theme of selfishness versus selflessness but you know if we're open to what's immediately in front of us you know it's like living in the moment that it may feel like a sacrifice you may not work out the way you had planned but as you say God has a bigger picture in mind he can see around those corners he knows all of the pieces you know it's it's like a five-dimensional chess match, and he's got it all covered. And all we have to do, as you said, is to be obedient and be aware of those opportunities. Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit. The, the concept of ministry, the concept of serving others is such a recurring theme, in, uh, particularly in the New Testament. Are there a, a verse or two that, that really stands out for you that, uh, that kind of hammers home these points?
0: There are um, one of the things that you alluded to uh, about having less self and more Christ-like character is something that Paul the Apostle spoke about an awful lot. and he wrote, because I just finished preaching through First Corinthians, this one is kind of heavy on my mind right now, but in 1 Corinthians 16:15, Paul says, "You know that there's this one household called the household of stephanus. They were converts in Achaia. they've devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. And then you start looking at other times when Paul wrote that kind of stuff. And you see that popping up again in 2 Corinthians, his second letter to these folks. They were sharing in the service of the Lord's people. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. It seems like that's kind of a big deal for him to have repeated it twice. So it shows up three different times in his letters to these people in Corinth. The service to the Lord's people was a big deal for Paul. That's because I think he understood that there were people who were selfish and needed to put that self aside. They needed to lay down their own life so they could be resurrected into this new creation that they were becoming, transformed into Christ's image, uh, so that they could serve others and therefore serve God. So, yeah, that was a big deal for Paul. And I think that's something that, for us, it starts to become more natural the more we do it, like we talked about last week.
1: Now, there's another verse that's in... uh... Romans 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, Mm. but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. He says, don't think more highly of yourself. Mm it's something we see all the time it's like you know people who want to be noticed people who who want to be movie stars so they want to be famous you know it's like why are you doing that is it for your glory or for his right where are you on this this totem pole you know we talk about humility and how that speaks volumes Mm it's something that we have to be aware of you know again we go back to that Are you doing this for you, being selfish, or are you doing this for others? Are you doing it for service to him because you're selfless? And it's something that we struggle with all the time because our our inner self has desires that are not in accordance with his will, Mm -hmm. and we have to be very careful how we manifest his works versus ours.
0: Yeah, and I recognize that there are two places in my life where I start to have an indicator of where I am in my connectivity, in my relationship with God that day. One is in driving, because somebody may be pushing me from behind and I get rucka-rucka, you know, who do you think you are? You need to be a tailgater. Or they'll cut me off a little bit, because they're needing to put self above, you know, I'm more important than you are. This looks like a job for entitlement man. (laughs) And depending on where I am in my relationship, if I've been connected with God and I'm putting others before self, I can let that go and say, okay, God, I need to pray for that person that they get safe to work today. Because if I'm not, and if my flesh takes over, I realize that I can get really upset really quick at fellow drivers. (laughs) Another place is in the line at a grocery store. And I get to lose my patience pretty quick, depending on what starts happening around me with that. And those are good indicators for me. It's kind of like my my mood ring. I can tell how connected I am with the Lord and whether I'm really starting to try to die to self that day or not, based on how I react in those circumstances. And it lets me know that I need to be in a daily walk with Christ, because it's so easy for me to start putting myself above others instead of putting them more highly than I think of myself.
1: Yeah, there's another verse that spoke to me that that talks about this, these same kind of things. It's in 2 Corinthians we however will not boast beyond proper limits we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service god himself has assigned to us a sphere that also includes you you know sphere is a word that we we hear a lot we talk about the sphere of influence you know most everybody i think on average they say everybody has a sphere of influence that's 250 people so i know mine is bigger than that because of my job i've met Way more than that, they are uh, in ways connected to my job. I know in your case, you know, you've got a congregation, you've worked in other ministry places. So those people are still in your sphere of influence. And they say that we're all connected within six levels. They're talking about you know the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> which, uh, we we throw off now as as a way to uh, indicate how our spheres interact. And I've often told people that I'm one degree away from the Queen of England because in a fluke, you met her one day. And so she and I might be best friends. Who knows? You know, we should be sharing emails because we're so close because of you. Uh, But if there are, you know, 250 people in each sphere and then each of those has 250 and on and on, it doesn't take very long to get to you know eight or however many billion people are on the planet so we can see that that's probably true that our our spheres will uh, interact that there are people in our sphere that, that many people know and yet on the other hand it's possible that there are people within your sphere that aren't really in other people's spheres you know mm-hmm. they're uh, they might be a little odd there might be something that puts people off and and uh, some of those I call spiritual orphans, those are the people that that nobody is concerned enough about to pray for, to interact with, to be the light of Christ to. And if you look into your sphere, there may be those people in there. They're in a bad place from a spiritual standpoint. If nobody is praying for them, if nobody is interacting with them, if nobody is sharing with them, um, Mm -hmm. chances are they're not going to hear the good news of Christ. And if that's the case, then they're not going to have the opportunity to make a decision and affect their eternity in such a positive way that Christ does for all of us who have. So I would encourage you to to look into your sphere, Mm -hmm. see if there's somebody that may be a little off that people kind of shy away from. Mm -hmm and see if there's a way to reach out and minister to them. You know, I wrote a, a skit about that and it was uh, a couple of the popular girls were kind of mocking the weird goth girl who nobody was interacting with. Mm-hmm. And one of them, one of the popular girls uh, reached inside and realized that her faith made it necessary for her to reach out. And she did in, in the skit. And the reaction at first was kind of harsh, but as the popular girl persisted, a dialogue developed and they were able to relate to each other. So it's not that hard to do something nice for somebody to serve God through serving your fellow man, especially those that seem like they may not deserve it. They, Of course they do because they're God's creation, but they put us off in such a way that we stand back.
0: really strikes me uh, seeing you have a heart for that and to bring up the spiritual orphan concept after you had just also shared that you and your wife became adoptive parents. It's almost as though maybe God was using something in your own lives to help soften your heart in a very peculiar and special way and make you a little more heightened in your awareness that there are people out there who might actually really need that extra somebody. I think that's really cool. And I think there are ways that we each get shaped, sometimes because of even some of the trials earlier in our lives that God uses to strengthen us and make us more sensitive to certain other kinds of people. So I appreciate the fact that you bring that that up today. So thank you for that. I'm going to be more aware of it after speaking to you about it.
1: Well, that's all we can do is just be work. It's our sphere. You know, God put those people in our way for a reason, you know, yeah. either for them to build us up or for us to build them up. I mean, we talk about the building, and I think you had a verse about that.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I think that we have come to find out, we specifically in our church have come to find out that the church is people because we got knocked out of the building that we had been meeting in. Because we're in a state where the lockdown measures were pretty strict, and we were meeting in a rented school, and the schools did not go back to in-person learning for a long time. So we have been without a physical building for a year, and yet we're still the church. And that's what 1 Corinthians 3.9 talks to us about. We are co-workers or co-servants, co-laborers in God's service, and we collectively are God's building That's something that shows that we collectively are pieced together because of our different shapes, almost as though you're a brick and I'm a brick, and together we make a building so that God indwells with this collective building. And the more we serve other people through our shapes, through our spiritual gifts and our hearts and our abilities and our experiences, our personalities, then the more people can see Christ clearly because we become that building and he dwells within all of us. And the reason we do that is so that people can be built up. We're we're not doing works of service for other people so we can get points. We're not doing it so that we can get something that will be sent back to us like we're fishing for a compliment or we're fishing for something good to come back to us too, like karma or something. We're doing it because that's Christ's character and we're just acting like Christ would act. And as we do so, other people are built up. That's how you can tell when somebody's ministering in a way out of the motive of being Christ-like is that other people are going to be really encouraged and built up and strengthened. And if you're starting to see people who are not being built up, you have to question what the real motive of their doing a, quote, good work really might be. So that's good to know that we who are reaching out to others are doing so out of a natural overflow of God's character in us because of his Holy Spirit, and that as we do so, we reveal Christ more clearly, and other people get built up.
1: Yeah, we we keep coming back to that theme, how we need each other. And if I can take just a a practical example of a situation that happened in my life, I was a trumpet player in our church orchestra, Mm -hmm. and there were enough of us that it didn't really feel like I was contributing all that much and I was getting complacent and I wasn't showing up. And one day the assistant music minister just called me and he says, you know, we really need you. You know, we, we are not as strong. We are not putting out the, the same level of music because you're not there. Uh, what will it take to get you to come back and be consistent because we really need you? So he was using his gift of encouragement to help me get back into a place where I could be ministering with a gift that I had since I was 10 and didn't really you know, do that much with it, but it was just reaching out. He felt the need for the orchestra, but also for me to be part of that group, because we all together were more than we were individually.
0: That's a great example. Uh,
1: I mean, a small thing, but he felt like it was important for the service to have all of the people in place to create the best sound Mm -hmm. for the music service so people would be prepared for the message that would come later. And I appreciated that from him and uh, served in that church for a number of years.
0: That's awesome. That's a great microcosmic illustration of what really happens in the whole church too. Even somebody who may come and sit on the back row and all they can do is be a prayer warrior and they think, well, I don't don't do much, but I can pray for people. (laughs) Oh man, we should never underestimate the power of those prayer warriors huge. So whatever role God has for you to play in the body of Christ, however he's shaped you, it's going to be important for the rest of the body, and we need each other. So that's a great illustration for that. So let me recap what we've been studying over these four purposes, and then we'll wrap up for today. The first purpose is that God planned me for his pleasure. That's worship. We're going to love him back because we can't pay him back. God formed me for his family. That's fellowship. We have a relationship among other people in the body of Christ, too. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. So there's worship, fellowship. Then there's that third one. God intends for me to become more like Christ. That's that Christ-like development, that transformation, which is a lifetime process called discipleship. And then fourth, today we looked at it, God shaped us to serve him, and that's called ministry. And we all have a different shape because God formed us in advance for those good works, So every one of us has the capability of serving others. And as we serve others, we're serving God himself. Pretty important purposes. Pretty important purposes. It's a joy to be part of the body. It really is. And you look back over several years and recognize that I'm so glad I hung in there. Like with you and playing in the orchestra, there've been a couple of situations where I thought, if I would have bailed at this point, I would have missed this special event and this person coming to know Christ and this person getting to see them get baptized and this person having a baby and dedicating that baby to Christ and this person doing that. I would have missed all that. And instead, because God formed me in advance, I my little tiny part was poured out among all these other tiny parts and together we became the building and he indwelled that building and there was a whole lot of purpose that went on and it made us all feel like, We've been a part of something much bigger than ourselves, and it sure feels good.
1: It sure feels
0: good. <laughs> and we hope that you will continue to explore what your shape might be. And we hope that you're going to tune in next week for another episode of Monday Afternoon Theologians.